Good evening and welcome to the broadcast. Glad you are with us. We're going to be joined tonight by another special panel, and that includes General Michael Flynn, Colonel John Mills, and Colonel Rob Manis. These guys all have incredible backgrounds. Of course, everybody knows about General Michael Flynn, three-star general retired, former director of national intelligence, national security advisor in the White House for President Trump. Colonel Mills served on the National Security Council staff for two presidents in the White House. And we also have Colonel Rob Manis, who was the commander of Elliott Air Force Base and also worked in uh, operations for the Joint Chiefs of Staff and much more we can say about all of their bios that are very, very impressive. Welcome to everybody watching and listening tonight by worldviewtube.com and also at patriot.tv. We are excited to be here with you tonight, and we are excited about the things coming to Patriot.TV. We have been very busy all day talking to a lot of new hosts. We have secured some new hosts. We have contracts with new hosts. And you ought to just wait until you hear who will be coming on board at Patriot.TV at various times of the day, but also the incredible primetime lineup. I've been busy today on the phone a couple times with General Flynn and our entire team at Patriot.TV. The website right now, you'll find Patriot.TV. Uh, that is not our permanent website. That's the holding page for right now. We have a big, beautiful website coming, and we are looking to launch officially our hard launch on March 26th. So right now is a soft launch as we gear up now. All of our attention turned toward Worldview Tube and Patriot.TV. We also were busy today ordering up news desks because, yes, I am very committed to the idea that our primetime hosts all have a news desk. They're not sitting at card tables. I don't want just a one camera. We're going to be a broadcast platform that not only provides you with incredible cutting edge information, but the professionalism you've come to expect, such as here at Brandon House Live or Worldview Report. So we were ordering up news desks and doing all kinds of things today as we get ready to establish studios in some key places throughout the country. Of course, we'll continue to work with our broadcast partners as we have at Worldview Tube, and we'll be bringing some of them on board to be broadcasters or broadcast affiliates, if you will, like our reporter Aaron on the ground in Israel or Peter in London. It's going to be a great journey, and thank you to all of you joining us here at Patriot.TV. Like tonight, you see a logo turning. It has the Patriot.TV logo, and it has the Worldview Tube logo turning. And the reason why is the same way as it was before when I was with Lindell TV and just Worldview Tube, because we'll be doing some joint projects together. In fact, a few of the hosts we have at Worldview Tube, well, they're going to be simulcasting it Patriot.tv, a couple of them, because, uh, well, there is a relationship between me and Worldview Tube with them and has been. And there has yet also been with a couple of the media companies that Patriot has acquired. Patriot TV has acquired a few smaller media companies, and those guys had relationships with them. So we're going to be doing some joint projects. And guess what? By doing that, we all get to benefit by a growing and expanding broadcast team. So we're very excited. One guy that we've all become familiar with in the last few days, we met through the acquisition of one of these companies at the Patriot TV uh, side, and that is Colonel Rob Manis. I personally didn't know about him until that acquisition occurred. Then I started watching his broadcast, reading his bio. And I'm like, wow, I wish I would have known about him sooner. So folks, the doors are being opened for great partnerships and friendships as we all seek to well, reclaim this country and preserve the Republic for future generations. 
That will involve putting together special panels, one like you're going to hear again tonight. And then I'll be joined by Dr. Victoria. She's an MD. She's coming on board to tell us the latest about disease X and maybe what the globalists have planned. And then we're going to hear from Patrick Wood, an update from him on technocracy and transhumanism. And then a brand new text just came in a few minutes ago by my friend, uh, Mr. Mr. He wrote the book, by the way, that came out February 21st. Todd Binsman is who I'm talking about. February 21st of last year, not even a year yet, predicting well, what's happening at the border. It was called Overrun. And indeed, that's what's happening. Well, he texted me right before the show, his brand new article at the New York Post and the Daily Mail. I said, wow, with this kind of breaking news, you better come on. So we're going to squeeze him in around 840 Central. Let's get right to it. Joining me up first is General Michael Flynn, Colonel Rob Manis, and Colonel John Mills. Gentlemen, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely, uh, Brandon, and thank you so much. And there's a lot of exciting things happening. Let me just jump right in because I know uh, time is uh, of the essence here for uh, this next hour for you. You have so many good, great people coming on. One of the things that we uh, that occurred today or, or the last few days was a the arrest and uh, and it appears the indictment of a Chinese spy. And one of the things, from my perspective, and I'll I'll just uh, you know speak briefly about this: the Chinese Communist Party, anyone associated with the CCP that is in the United States of America on official some type of official business or official capacity has a duty and a responsibility to provide feedback from whatever their capacity is, whether they're working in engineering, whether they're working in government, whether they're working in the media, to provide feedback back to their uh, bosses back in, uh, in, in China. And what does that mean? Well, this particular example, I'm going to let uh, Rob and, and uh, John talk to some of the real specifics about it because it's really just fascinating. But uh, the, the 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 type of sensitive military information that was being uh, stolen by this individual for many many years, but there is a there is a pattern of activity, and I was I was directly involved in some of this while I was in the military, particularly at, while I was at the Defense Intelligence Agency. That pattern of activity exists right here in the United States of America, uh, and it and they operate out of consulates, they operate out of the embassy in the, in uh, in Washington D.C. They operate out of colleges and universities that they attend. They operate out of the labs that we invite them into. And we've learned so much from, uh, from COVID, right? We learned so much from the, the Wuhan lab and the relationship that, that our own CDC and NIH had with biological labs over in, in uh, China. So this latest indictment, which won't break squelch, it won't break out into the mainstream media, but it is another indication of just how deep and how deeply infiltrated the Chinese Communist Party has agents inside of our government, particularly in some of the most sensitive uh, locations and some sensitive positions in our country. And one of the other uh, pieces, and I'll stop here, that I want to uh, raise with this particular individual is this guy got into such sensitive positions and he became such a trusted source that he was, he was likely able to get the government, the United States government, in very sensitive positions, sensitive labs, sensitive universities that are involved with our military-industrial complex to be able to hire other individuals. So we know of this one that, that has been discovered by, the, uh, by our Department of Justice and, and uh, by our FBI and by our intelligence services. 
But the big question is how many more exist? And what I what I want the, this audience to understand is as we bring more of these kinds of uh, breaking news, this is really breaking news to this particular audience. We want to get into the to the details of who these people are, what their purposes are, where are they uh, attacking us, how are they getting inside of our of our administration, and what are the kinds of things that that uh, that are you know what are the devastating consequences or or results of some of the things that they have been stealing. So let me stop there because I know Rob and uh, and John have both have uh, other other aspects that they want to provide. We were, we were just showing real quick, the Justice Department announces charges and arrest in two separate illicit technology transfer schemes to benefit governments <coughs> of China and Russia. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a tweet here out tonight or today by Brian Wan. He says uh, that this gentleman by the last name of Gong, a native of China who became a U.S. citizen in 2011, was arrested in San Jose on February 6th and charged in a criminal complaint with theft of trade secrets, transferring 3,600 files from the company where he worked to personnel storage devices during his brief tenure there in 2023. Now, this is what's very scary. The files include blueprints for sophisticated infrared sensors designed for use in space-based systems to detect nuclear missile launches and track ballistic and hypersonic missiles and blueprints for sensors designed to enable U.S. military aircraft to detect incoming heat-seeking missiles and take countermeasures, including by jamming the missile's infrared uh, tracking ability. Some of these files were later found on storage devices seized from Gong's temporary residence in Thousand Oaks. Uh, Colonel John, what can you tell me about this? Yeah, Cheng Wang Gong is an American citizen. Just be clear with everybody. This is an American citizen who worked in a very sensitive position. I don't believe the company is, I have not been able to, this is an area I'm, I'm quite familiar with. And uh, I was looking for a company name and it's unclear because he was actually arrested up in the Bay Area. I believe it was San Jose. So not sure if he was working down in the Los Angeles area, why he was up in San Jose. This is very, this adds some mystery here. But this is, hey, these are the crown jewels of our, our defense. They want to know how we can detect a launch. And uh, we have to realize, um, I, I've been extremely disappointed with the American intelligence community because until only about a year and a half ago, the discussion of the Chinese nuclear threat wasn't even a discussion, wasn't even happening in the American intelligence community. It was like, it was, it, that's a, as if it didn't even exist. And the, the, the total obsession was with Russia, 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 Russia. But Russia walked away from the only remaining grand treaty. There are no more treaties. And China has never participated in any of these treaties. So China has just had a, an explosive growth in their nuclear arsenal, which our intelligence community, frankly, was not paying attention to. It wasn't even, again, until maybe two years ago, uh, uh, both Rob and I are on the Committee on Present Danger China, and this we have been hammering on this issue uh, to uh, uh, acknowledge and address this. The rough cap on warheads uh, under the non-existent treaty now is roughly 1550, 1550 
war strategic warheads and then <clears throat> the math you'd have to actually read the treaty it allowed a certain number of ballistic missile submarines a certain number of uh of uh missiles both ground-based uh and also the missiles on the submarines and a certain number of bombers and you could shift those uh shift those numbers back and forth with notification to the other party and other side the only problem was it was the soviets frankly were not following this treaty and and even if they technically were following it they were totally recapitalized their nuclear stockpile we frankly have not uh, made a new nuclear warhead since 1992. Um, so this is extremely scary. And uh, so Chen Wanggong, this, this is what he was after, was information uh, on the defensive side. How do we detect a launch, which is pretty important because that gives us the, the, the precious seconds of alert time to uh, get ready our, our missile defenses, which our national missile, def missile defenses are not that good. We have, uh, we have a small number of missile interceptors in Alaska, a small number in California, that's it. <coughs> now we have missile defense forward in Hawaii, we're putting it in Guam, we have it on ships, we gotta get a lot better, but they wanna know how can we and how good is our ability to detect launch, which means what? They're thinking first strike. That's, that's what's going on here. They're thinking first strike. Let's bring in Colonel Mills, or excuse me, that was Colonel Mills. Bring in Colonel uh, Mattis, Rob Mattis. He, folks, worked in the Pentagon, in a man, excuse me, in a part of the Pentagon that was very limited. Not a lot of people moved inside that little area of the Pentagon you dealt with related to nuclear planning and the uh, manual for the nuclear football, etc. Correct, Colonel? Uh, that's absolutely right, Brandon. And uh, I would just add to what John was saying. It, it's not only an indication that uh, they're looking at first strike capability, uh, but uh, if they can get into how we detect, then they can get into countermeasures to that detection. And that actually gives them the first strike capability. Mm. And that's extremely destabilizing to uh, uh, to the entire globe, uh, the, uh, uh, the the new agreements that they have with Russia uh, combines the new nuclear forces that China has built with the Russian nuclear forces potentially, uh, and that adds another layer of destabilization and the risk to uh, deterrence overall of strategic nuclear attack between these three countries. Uh, so, so these devices and this technology is critically important for us to protect. Uh, and it's just very unfortunate that our intelligence services, our counterintelligence services, both domestically and outside the country, really don't have the resources and, well, more importantly, aren't dedicating the resources and prioritizing uh, their collection, surveillance, reconnaissance, and capturing of these spies uh, uh, to the point where we don't have to worry about it. And that's a problem because the more things get destabilized, the risk increases exponentially to a nuclear exchange at the strategic level, country to country, or, or even worse, three countries exchanging between each other. Uh, and that does not bode well for the future of the world. I don't know who wants to take this, maybe all three of you, but we used to have on here regularly before he passed away, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. And Dr. Pry, and I know, I think all three of us know Dr. Pry, uh, all four of us actually. Um, Dr. Pry used to warn about 
the capability of Russia with their hypersonic missiles and the, I guess the Satan II. And he described how old fashioned takeoff, you know, the trajectory, the computers could almost calculate exactly where that was going. But with the new system, it could get up there and skip on the atmosphere and you don't really know where it's going. You're like, where's what's going to happen? Where is it going to land? What's the 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 uh, time frame? He said this this is also in some cases could be stealth. Now he said again, I, I'm just telling you what Dr. Pry said. You guys are the experts. He said the problem with this is we used to maybe have 30 minutes warning. Now we could have 10 or 15 minutes warning or less. A are these true statements about the hypersonic uh, missiles, the Satan II, the skipping on the atmosphere, kind of not able to calculate with a computer what's going on and where, and then the stealth capability. Then you add in this new equation, <laughs> the desire to steal information that is tracking our ability to track, could that limit it? So in other words, someone working with the president and the nuclear football, like you did, uh, Colonel uh, Manis, the, you may not have time to, to do what you need to do and brief the president on the response he should be taking. His his time frame is really shrinking, is it not, Colonel? Well, it is, and that's why the aide that's carrying the nuclear football is always with him within a certain amount of time, certain distance away, uh, no matter what he's doing. Uh, so we would just need to shrink that. But you make a good point, Brandon. You know, part of this uh, theft of technology, one of the pieces of it was uh, devices that uh, they think enable us to uh, detect hypersonic missile launches and track them. Uh, and uh, if they want to do that, then that's a big indicator, too, that they're looking at how do we shorten the Americans' detection time? How do we eliminate their ability to predict where our hypersonic missile is going to go? And, and they're also really probably checking into how far along in development we are on that technology. Because remember, uh, last year, I believe it was, when uh, the uh, delayed reporting of the detection of a hypersonic missile that was skipping off the atmosphere uh, indicated that the American side had not developed uh, the proper detection and tracking methodologies and technology yet. Now, you can take what you hear in the open source media with a grain of salt. But there's usually a grain of truth uh, in some of that, too. So they're probably doing those three things. They want to uh, know how we're detecting it, how we're tracking it. Can we predict where uh, a hypersonic missile is going to go to its target? Uh, and then in the back door, how can they uh, set up a capability to prevent us from doing that hmm. in such a way that they could deliver a hypersonic, uh, say, an EMP warhead uh, uh, at notice where it's minimal, you know, less than a minute where we go from detection to detonation, and that would be an ultimate goal for them. I want, I want to, to bring in it. Colonel Mills again, right. but but General Flynn, um, I uh, mean, so quick, let me, I want to do a quick kind of a, a, an analogy. So I'm, I'm hiding my, what I'm saying, I'm hiding my lips because, you know, like on the football game, right? We watch, those that watch the Super Bowl, the coaches are always blocking what they're saying. There, there are really two things. There's technical theft, of the of the technology and the and the tech and the processes and the systems that we have and then there's human theft right and human theft can be actually putting somebody in the in the in the the loop where decision making is made so you know they they want to understand what rob was involved in when rob worked in the the command and control systems 
of, of, of uh, nuclear launch or nuclear detection, right? And so there is a, there is a clear and, un, and, and clear and present danger to get access to the humans in the loop. And they work very hard at doing that. And we have to constantly be on alert for that. We have to constantly do counter-espionage, counter-intelligence to be able to block and tackle against that threat. Never mind having the threat of, of scientists and engineers who are able to infiltrate or be compromised and then now start working for the CCP and start to steal the, 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 act, the absolute technology. And then I'll just leave it with, uh, with um, you know, that what you talked about with the hypersonic and supersonic and the, the lessening of time from launch to detection to decision to either defend or counterlaunch. I mean, it is, it is now, in, you know, in terms of minutes and seconds instead of where it used to be, you know, maybe hours and, and, and some period of time less than an hour. It is now in minutes and seconds. And it's very, very difficult to, uh, to, to counter strike if there is a strike on the way. And that's why we have to be on guard. That's why we have to have real professionals on both sides. You know, I was shocked when I heard Tucker's interview the other day and he and he asked uh, Putin, when was the last time you talked to President uh, Biden? And it's been almost two years. I mean, we used to have the hotline. In fact, I was in the Pentagon. Rob was in the Pentagon at the time when we had that hotline. So leaders could talk at the, at the defense level. We also need leaders to talk at the White House level. And it appears that we're not. That's a scary thing to me. Indeed, it is. Before I go back to Colonel Mills, General Flynn, uh, again, forgive me as a journalist and news guy. If I ask questions you cannot answer, feel free to say I cannot. But I'm always wanting to draw your experience and that of Colonel Mills and Colonel Manis out. As a national security advisor, as the national security advisor, you, like Colonel Mills, who worked on the National Security Council staff, you were moving in and out of the Situation Room. I'm assuming in that position in the White House for President Trump, you also had gone through some of these drills. You had gone through and been trained on what does the president do uh, if there is the need to open the nuclear football and to be involved in putting in the codes and doing and practicing the time frame and what you will do. So I just want our audience to understand we're, we're talking to three guys here. This is I mean, this is an amazing panel here. Because of your background, this is what you guys did in the real world, in real life. And now you're sitting here as, as, as private citizens right now talking about how this window is shrinking. Right, big time. And, and let me just so, so everybody knows, as the National Security Advisor, I was sitting with the President of the United States uh, you know, as we were coming in and then sat with him again uh, and went through the entire system, the entire process so the mm. whole thing although when you talk about the football and all that kind of stuff so i went through that whole thing as the uh senior intelligence officer on the joint staff and then as the director of the defense intelligence agency but particularly in my role as the as the j2 they call it the senior intel officer for the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff i, I used to go down into the national military command center i'll let rob talk here in a minute on a on a almost a daily basis i'd get down there and visit and go through the, the process, go through the, the decision-making process. And I have sat through exercises where people would either sit in the role of Secretary of Defense or President of the United States or National Security Advisor, or those, those specific individuals would sit in there on some routine basis to practice this drill, to practice what it is that we are doing. 
what I what I am very concerned about, knowing what I know, is that I I don't see that uh, as developed and that as rehearsed as necessary, particularly with these uh, with these time time limits that we now are under, these time constraints that we now are under. It has to be done on a routine basis. I know the military guys that Rob uh, where Rob used to sit, they do it on a on a daily basis. But it's the leaders that are going to end up making the decisions. And now I'm I'm concerned that we don't have those leaders that are able to make those decisions. I want Colonel Mass to respond to that. But first, I got to go to Colonel Mills. Colonel Mills, what are your thoughts on what you're hearing here? Number of shifts in the National Military Command Center is the special operations uh, officer. So I did that a lot. Also, over the, uh, quite familiar with the interagency procedures for these alerts for uh, not going to use the exact expressions, but you have real events and you have exercise events. And you hear that on the loudspeaker in the National Military Command Center. Again, a very rote, mature process. But again, the problem is we're dealing with a nuclear triad. That's our bombers, that's our missiles, ground-based, and then our ballistic missile submarines that are, frankly, ancient. And uh, we're recapitalizing, meaning we're trying to bring in new missiles, the Sentinel new missile. Not going to be ready till 2030. We're trying to bring in the B-21, still several years away, and that new long-range standoff cruise missile. That still ain't going to be ready until 28 or 30. Uh, you know, we're trying to bring in the Columbia-class submarine to replace the Trident. It's going to use the same missiles, uh, the Trident D-5. I mean, it's ancient, ancient stuff. But uh, a good, uh, this hypersonic issue is uh, always read the South China Morning Post. If you want to know, uh, that's the, that's used to be Murdoch's paper at Hong Kong. That's the paper that the Chinese always use to telegraph signals. So you want to see what they're running up the flagpole because they're gauging reaction. Always read the South China Morning Post. And this, this article in late January caught my attention. I, I, I don't know if it's real or if it's propaganda. But the basic problem with hypersonics is uh, they already have the DF-17 medium-range hypersonic, meaning they can launch from, uh, and these are both silo-based and also, guess what, they're, they're mobile-based on trucks. We, do, we have no mobile, uh, we, don't, we don't have medium-range missiles. We either have the big boomers or we have very short-range HIMARS. We're trying to desperately fill that gap and uh, General... Flynn, uh, the brother of General Flynn, is working that hard in because uh, the Army's going to bring in some new, new missile types. Um, but uh, this article in South China Morning Post caught my attention because it says they've resolved. The problem with hypersonics is you're going that fast. That's greater than 3,000 miles per hour, greater than Mach 5. You create this plasma bubble over that hypersonic glide vehicle, which in the past... The problem was, couldn't obtain any GPS updates. It, it really was flying blind, presuming what you would call inertial navigation inside, calculating where it was at. That was always the problem. But this article, again, I don't know if they are just, if this is a, a bunch of hooey and they're just, they're trying to intimidate us, but they say, the uh, after America abandoned developments of extreme shell, Chinese scientists now claim they have managed to create it. So while traveling at not just Mach 5, Mach 7, uh, the hypersonic warhead could receive satellite navigation signals and maintain a margin error of less than 
49 feet. Now again, is this real? Who knows? But uh, this is this is this has been the issue with hypersonics. How do you maintain position, navigation, and timing while it's traveling so fast, encased in that plasma bubble mass? And uh, in the South China Morning Post, uh, China claims to have solved it. Again, is that just? Are they are they playing psyop here, or is this real? Don't know. But the reality is, we are playing catch up. On our, on our strategic force, we're playing significant catch-up because we gave away intermediate and medium-range missiles. China was never signatory of any treaty, uh, so they've developed, and we now have a huge gap between our strategic force and our short HIMARS force. So wow. We got the interim uh, uh, SM-6, the Army's using a Navy missile SM-6, and, and Tomahawk in, in called the Typhoon system. We may have that. In, in the Philippines, we may have that, and some of the southern Japanese islands were being a little coy on that. Uh, but those are good. Those are good. The SM6 is really good, but it's uh, we need we need things that go f uh, even faster and longer range than those two. Mm. Colonel Colonel Manis, you, uh, all three of you, it sounds like, have set through these nuclear simulation drills. Uh, as a layperson, I have not, but I certainly have watched the movie Some of All Fears, and the movie starts out. <laughs> the movie starts out with that, and you think they're going. You know, the president's in this bunker, and his guys are with him, and they're watching and listening and gaining information. And you think the movie's opening with a nuclear attack, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and the president's wife wants something uh, to brought, be brought home. You find out it's all a simulation. Uh, but the, that, the point I'm making is you guys have set through through simulations. We as the American people, lay people, just see them kind of maybe played out in a movie. Uh, but that is how it goes, right? I mean, it, it has the feeling and tension of a real event, but it's just a drill to keep you guys ready. I guess my question would be, how do you feel knowing and watching the current mental state uh, of the occupant of the Oval Office. How how would this go down? Should we have an event with a very short window? And and is there a backup? And particularly, we've also now got an issue with our Secretary of Defense who keeps popping back into the hospital and relinquishing some of his authority. That's a great question. You know, uh, part of our job in nuclear operations was to actually write the scenarios and, and then implement them through the system so that the folks at the operations desk in the NMCC, at the at the command center desk, uh, at strategic command and all around the world at all of our nuclear command and control uh, command posts uh, were uh, were operating as though it was real until they got to a certain point where they would read something. Uh, after they had done the proper procedure, it was an exercise. Uh, uh, so we, we keep it pretty realistic uh, and have to because, as John mentioned, it's a, it's a very mature uh, command and control and communication system. Uh, but that's also a problem because along with that mature command and control and communication system, it's not as fast necessarily as what type of weapons we're facing today. And the hypersonic missile uh, is a key issue. Uh, for that command and control system, can the information get to the operators uh, in the command centers fast enough? Can they get to the president fast enough in order to make a decision quick enough to respond or not respond? Uh, and that's the problem uh, that we face. As far as the mental uh, condition of the president, that's highly concerning uh, because the president has to do physical things and think. You know, it's not just like. Uh, 
the aide uh, sets a book down in front of him, opens the page and says, you need to pick this. Uh, it, he's got to understand what he's being told and pick the right op menu option to uh, take the right action based on the scenario. So it's very, it's very critically important that uh, his mind uh, be as sharp as it can be, even if he's just been woke up at three o'clock in the morning. We've all, we've all seen the three o'clock in the morning phone call uh, ads uh, that have been run for and against different political uh, opponents running for president. Uh, and that's very, very concerning to me. The other thing that's concerning is down at the lower levels in the system, the officers and enlisted people, you know, we are allowing people with mental uh, conditions like gender dysphoria to operate in these systems mm. now. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and if you haven't thought about that at all, think it through. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people think about, well, do you want somebody like that in the infantry or the artillery? you know, sitting beside you in your foxhole. Uh, but think it through. Do we really want individuals that have a permanent mental condition like gender dysphoria that have to take medications and those kinds of things operating in systems like the Nuclear Command and Control and Communication System of the United States of America or any country's military? That's something that really needs to be addressed uh, as we go forward here because the mental acuity uh, and the ability to operate on your feet and think quickly uh, and get it right every single time, that's very important and has to happen that way in the nuclear forces business. And uh, I just don't see that, uh, that we're uh, paying real close attention uh, to what the need is there to make sure that the outcome is right every time. Because the nuclear system in the United States of America is as is as near as humanly possibly can be made a zero defect system. Uh, all the defects have different steps to take them uh, take them out and prevent them, so that you end up with a safe, secure, reliable reliable meaning able to hit the target every single time uh, nuclear uh, force that is, even though it's using ancient weapons, as John said is still capable of getting to that target when necessary on the command of only one person, and that's the President of the United States. So we should all be very concerned. I'm going to go to General Flynn here with a closing comment. But first, Colonel, based on what you just said, and I was thinking this while ago when you before you mentioned it, if this, this current occupant seems a little foggy at times during the day, if he had to be awakened at the middle of the night, I'm not so sure the ability would be there to do this. So... Do you, I know it calls on speculation on your part, but do you believe that somewhere in the national security apparatus, they have come up with a, a backup plan where they will literally do this for him? As someone stepping in and acting as the president who is not constitutionally commissioned to do that job? And if that is the case, it, it, doesn't that bring up all kinds of legal issues, constitutional issues, and, and, and give us a cause for the 25th Amendment very quickly. Uh, statutorily, unless the, com uh, the commander in chief actually passes command to the vice president and, and activates the 25th Amendment, like Ronald Reagan did when he went into surgery and, and other times that it's happened to, uh, statutorily, only that person is allowed to make those decisions and use those codes. Anybody else that may have a nuclear football with them or, or codes, they're not activated in the system 
they're only there as a backup in case the president dies or is not reachable. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, very concerning. Uh, you, you cannot have statutorily a day-to-day stand-in for the president of the United States. That's why we've gone uh, through so much trouble to develop things like the 25th Amendment. And I'm surprised and shocked that none of the American leaders that are in the cabinet of the United States today have uh, have started the process uh, in the 25th Amendment to replace him with the vice president. No matter what you, how you feel about the politics of it or the individuals, uh, the country is not safe if he's not able to do this particular job. General Flynn, I'll give you the closing comment, but one question for me would be, if you're listening to this tonight, and we know Colonel Mills has reason to believe that China does regularly listen to my conversation every Tuesday night at 7.30 Central with Colonel Mills, uh, and you know they're watching and picking this up at least later and having it transcribed, particularly with the background of all three of you gentlemen, would this not make an opportune time for China to move against the United States in some capacity or sometime before Joe Biden leaves the White House? Would this not be inviting something? Yeah, I think if you take in all of what uh, Xi, the leader of China, has stated about about uh, you know making China you know the one China policy, and what he has uh, specifically talked about with Taiwan, um, in that specific example, you know absolutely we have to take. Uh, this time frame very, very seriously. Uh, and one of the things that, that uh, Colonel Manis said, that Rob said was, you know, he used the, the words zero defect. This particular capability is a zero, there, there can be no mistakes. This is a zero defect type of capability process system. And we need to have uh, the, the type of leaders that are always on and know that they're always uh, you know, available and ready and they fully understand what it is. They can't get up at three o'clock in the morning and go, okay, let me get dressed. Let me figure out what I'm going to do. There, there is not any time to do that. That's on, the, that's on the real sort of strategic crisis right now uh, situation. But on the, on the bigger issue of what you're asking about, if there was a moment in in, uh, in recent uh, times where China had the opportunity, the uh, they certainly have the capa- the capability and the capacity, but they they now have an opportunity because of a weakness in the in the uh, leadership. And I, I fully agree with what Rob said about you know the 25th Amendment and why we have not seen uh, any anybody any of the any of the cabinet of the of the uh, of this current administration even raise the issue of the 25th Amendment. That those, you know, as the commander in chief, the president wearing that hat, this particular responsibility that we've addressed over the last 30 minutes or so is, is the most important capability that that president has to be able to deal with. And I am very concerned, if not, you know, scared, frightened uh, in the fact of, of trying to trying to comprehend, trying to contemplate this particular uh, president's ability to be able to do that. So. Uh, that, that's why I want this audience appreciate uh, uh, Colonel Manis, Colonel Mills, bo- both these gentlemen, these professionals, and and you allowing us to come on this show because we are. I, I know we are sounding uh, an alarm here, but it is an alarm that's a necessary alarm to sound for the American people 
because there's many more things than just border security or what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in the Middle East or the, or the, the, the rising crime and the rising uh, deaths from drugs on our streets. There's also this real threat that is posed by the infiltration of the Chinese Communist Party into the United States of America to understand everything that we do in order to then threaten us and put us in a place where we don't want to be, which is on the which is on our heels instead of on our toes. And I want this country to be on our toes. The only way that we're going to do that is with really strong, courageous, smart, uh, energetic leadership that knows what they're doing. So thanks very much for having us. No, thank you. I want to bring Colonel Mills back in here because I think you uh, sent me a little communication. Uh, Colonel, you had something you wanted to add? Oh, I I just wanted to check and that it was, we could say it in public, but uh, the annual nuclear exercise, I was looking at the Strategic Command website, uh, is Global Thunder. And I've been through several Global Thunders, uh, but uh, we really need to build back up our our nuclear capacity. A key element of the new National Defense Authorization Act was the Biden team was overridden and we're going to put nukes back on the top of Tomahawks the W-80 warhead, but the problem is those haven't been mated for 15, 20 years. So um, we're going to have to re-engineer and relearn the engineering. But that, that gives the theater commander, like the Indo-Pacific Command commander, a nuclear deterrent. The Biden team fought that tooth and nail. Uh, but it's, it's good news we're getting the nukes, but it's going to take a while to get those mated again. But it'll be a good deterrent. They're not going to be back on to... Uh, before President Trump is back in office here. So uh, this is going to be a summer of grave risk. Hmm. And, and, and General Flynn, this is why we are building Patriot TV as fast and furious as we are. This is why this panel is assembled tonight. Uh, this is why we have secured as a uh, Patriot TV contributor, Colonel Mills. This is why we have uh, Colonel Rob Manis as a broadcaster. You and I have talked off the phone, but there's not many uh, outlets out there for the American people to grab people with this background, this incredible biographical sketch and real world military experience and explain it to we the people. So I, I told the audience last week, what we're building at Patriot.TV is going to really shock people because we're going for people with incredible information and knowledge from actually being in that seat, whatever that seat might be. This is why Patriot TV is so needed now. Would, would you explain that to bite. the audience? Yeah, not in soundbite analysis either, you know, which is what we typically get. I mean, what, you know, you're, you're a terrific host in, in allowing all of us to, 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 to speak about the, in the details and in the weeds. I, like I say sometimes, I want the American people to eat the whole sandwich here. I want the American people to understand what they're paying for, what they should expect out of their leaders, what we have been creating in this country for a long time, and what is at risk. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, with, with uh, experts, and really, I mean, just true, true servants of this country and subject matter experts in John and uh, Rob Manis, I mean, John Mills and Rob Manis. I mean, you know, and, and, and others that we will bring to bear. That's why we are creating this platform and then allowing this platform to have these kinds of uh, in-depth discussions. You know, and people, and the nice thing is about live streaming and live shows, they can watch us now, they can watch us later on, they, they can listen to it, uh, they, can, they can observe it, and they can see, uh, and they can then, you know, learn to believe whether or not they want to, 
you know, to trust what it is that we're saying to, to, you know, to, to look at the authenticity of, of, of what our, what our, uh, um, our demeanors are and, and just, and, and how it is that we're presenting this, because I think that people in this country have forgotten, uh, you know, just how, how fragile we are as a democracy. And I want to be able to bring some of this types of detail to the American people to be able to give them an understanding of what is it that, that they're supposed to be paying for? Right? I mean, this is we the people, right? It's a citizen-led government. So anyway, I mean, it's just some of those things and many, many more, many, uh, more uh, issues that we will touch on in the uh, coming weeks and months. But I really do appreciate Rob and John and, their, again, their service and, uh, and coming on tonight. And thank you for your service, General Flynn. General Flynn, uh, Colonel John Mills, Colonel Rob Manis. Guys, thanks to all of you. Colonel Mills' website uh, is uh, War Against the Deep State. You can get his book by the same title there, WarAgainstTheDeepState.com, WarAgainstTheDeepState.com. Colonel uh, Manis, he has a daily show here on Patriot.tv. Uh, what time does that air? Do you know, Colonel? Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern, that's 3 p.m. Central. And his website is robmanis.com, robmanis.com. You can catch him at patriot.tv, live or on the replay on demand. And General Flynn's website is just that, generalflynn.com, generalflynn.com. I want all of you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say, because I don't think a lot of you know this. General Flynn has a Sunday morning broadcast. It is one hour every Sunday at 9 a.m., Central Time. It's called In the Skiff. Skiff is a secure room these gentlemen all worked in regularly where you can communicate without being heard. And so it's it's a, an intelligence briefing every week by General Flynn, 9 a.m. Central Time Sunday mornings. I just come on and kick it off and get it going, and I turn it over to uh, General Flynn. And this week, uh, I think he had these two gentlemen with him as well. So again, folks, it's every week, 9 a.m. Central Time Sunday morning, but you can go watch it right now or on demand. If you're in church on Sunday, you'll be able to find it Sunday afternoon on demand or the next day at patriot.tv. His website, by the way, is generalflynn.com. If you want to find out about his speaking schedule, his books, and uh, join his newsletter and sign up for information on the movie about not only his life and service, but the ordeal that he was put through by the deep state. A brand new movie coming out, flynnmovie.com. Do I have that right, sir? Absolutely. Thank you. Flynnmovie.com. Fascinating story. It'll be, <laughs> it's, it's, the name of the movie is Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. And, and it'll, it'll be a good one. Flynnmovie.com or uh, generalflynn.com to sign up for the newsletter to find out when it's coming out, how to gain access to view this movie coming out in April. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure and honor to work with all of you, particularly right now in this uh, in these perilous times in our that our country and world are facing. And it's great to know we have a panel like you and call on to help us lay people understand it all. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Three great Americans checking in and three gentlemen you'll be seeing regularly here on this broadcast and at Patriot.tv. Well, we are going to go now to Dr. Victoria. She's been with us before. She's the she's actually a, a, an OBGYN, and she is an author of a book on hormones and a book on testosterone. She's an expert on many things. We've interviewed her about some of those things. She joins us tonight to talk about Disease X. We hear a lot of talk about Disease X, but really, what is Disease X and what should we be looking out for? Dr. Victoria, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brennan. My pleasure. 
So tell me, what I mean, we hear disease acts coming out of the World Economic Forum. They, a couple weeks ago, had a big panel on that. Uh, what's ironic about the whole thing is they were talking about disease X and it having a fatality rate 20 times higher than COVID. I'm thinking to myself, they don't even have a name for it. They still have an X there, yet they somehow know it's going to have a kill rate 20 times higher than COVID. The whole thing seems very suspicious and frankly contrived and manipulated and a, another pandemic that they might release. You add that to the Deagle map, uh, which seems to have the intelligence community, some of them behind it, the CIA, and maybe according to some reports, the Rockefeller Foundation behind it. And their, their Deagle map is talking about a uh, decrease of the American population by 68 some odd percent, 68.5%, as high as 77% uh, in the UK. So what do you think this disease X is, or do you think they even know yet? They have no clue yet. You know, disease X by definition is hypothetical which means they really don't have a clue. This is future planning for the next pandemic. And the next pandemic likely will be another virus. Is it going to be another lab contrived virus? Uh, that's the biggest question that most people seem to think, yes, it's going to be another lab contrived. But viruses cannot just be put out into the air to spread, you know, just by airborne. It requires a vector that has the ability to spread it from either mosquito-based or animal-based to human. And once it develops far enough, then it will do a human-to-human -human transmission. But to start with, most viruses require, like I said, a vector that it has to live within a cell of either a mosquito or an animal or then another human being in order to turn on the cellular machinery of that vector to reproduce itself, to make thousands and thousands of copies of it. And many times the vector will be affected by that virus and many times become not only sick, but die. And so in a human, it is the same issue. Does the human get affected and sick or does the human get overwhelmed and then uh, succumb or die? So when you hear about the Wuhan uh, laboratory in China, when you hear about a Chinese discovered uh, warehouse full of pathogens in California, you know, something that seemed to be very uh, troubling when you read the description, basically some type of uh, building that definitely was not designed for that with an electrical cord going to it. And they find out that it's some kind of uh, facility being used by people tied to the CCP that include very dangerous pathogens. How, how concerned are you that the next thing will be a big thing? And what could it be, uh, you know, we, we, I don't know if you just heard the story this week of a person on an airplane that started, you know, throwing up large volumes of blood. Uh, and uh, obviously the people on the flight were absolutely panicked in pandemonium because this guy was just excreting large sums of blood. And I think he died within minutes before they could do anything for him or get to the ground. You hear something like that and it sounds like something out of a movie in the beginning of uh, some kind of Ebola freak, freak horror show but what these people are fooling around with in the labs uh what would you think they might be cooking up well obviously a virus i mean a bacteria is something that 
we actually can have, we have more tools against bacteria than we have against a virus. Again, a bacteria can live on its own and it will simply infect another organism, but it can live spontaneously on its own for hours and sometimes even days. Sometimes in a cold environment, it can go dormant and then come back to life, so to speak. But a virus requires human or an animal vector in order to survive. So if a virus is uh, particularized or, you know, a sneeze or saliva airborne, but lands on an inanimate surface, it cannot grow. So it will die because it has nothing to replicate in. So a virus is a very unique kind of structure, which it sounds safer to have a virus, but once a virus is, is inside of an actual vector, then there's no stopping it. And it's the health of the vector and therefore the health of what the vector may infect, which is humans, is going to be the kind of the last resort of whether that human will survive that assault to them. Do you, are we ready for something bigger than COVID? Well, let me ask it. Yeah, l let me ask it a different way is, is the health of the country of the US ready to handle another pandemic? And that's a question that I think if you ask five different people, you'll get 10 different answers. In other words, the, the general health is based upon many things. If one of those things is the quality of our uh, and the safety of our food, I'm not so sure that we can feel comfortable that we have food security. I'm not so sure we can say we have water security or electrical grid security. There are many weak spots that we have in this country that if somebody wanted to hack or even cyber hack any of these institutions, they would be able to do so, I would think, with relative ease. We know that many higher level institutions have been hacked. Um, you don't hear about them as much on the general circuit or in the news, but they have been. Um, so what we need to know is what is the health of our population? And are we as healthy as we should be? You know, when COVID went around, um, we lost a lot of people because of the comorbidities and the risk factors that patients had. And we only ranked 74 in the, the health of and the mortality rates of countries. There were only 73 countries out of over 250 in the world that were worse than us. That says we were in the top 25% of mortality. Mm. For a country of the prosperity of the United States, that's a surprising figure. That is. Uh, let me ask you this then. Um, how should we individually be preparing? Is there really any way we individually can prepare? Well, what I always tell my patients is, would you rather be on medication or would you rather be preventive and doing things that you can easily do in your sphere of influence to impact your baseline readiness? And Yes, of course, most of us would answer that. Of course I would. Yet the, the amount of dietary discretions that this 
US population has. And I'm primarily talking about sugar intake. Um, and sugar is the enemy. And I'm just going to say it one more time. Sugar is the enemy. We have a love affair with sugar. That's why we have such a high rate of insulin resistance and diabetes in this country. This is a country that we have the means. Therefore, we reward ourselves and we reward ourselves sometimes with the things we shouldn't. Whereas a sugary, sugar, a sugary treat or dessert used to be a, for a special occasion, not throughout our every meal and, and, and consumed of not three meals a day all week. Exactly. And, you know, we can't even get the FDA to drop the sugar requirement by five grams from some ridiculous number of 110 grams per day um, down five grams because their rationale is it would hurt the fast food industry. Huh. Therefore, we won't do that. Hmm. All right. So let me ask so, you another question. My wife uh, was in the Midwest a few years ago at a hospital, brand new hospital. And up on the top floor, she learned that they had up on the top floor, a whole floor up there that was uh, had its own oxygen system, its own air. And you could go in and out through a series of doors, but it would remain sealed. I'm hearing more and more reports that there are hospitals getting these kind of facilities. I don't know if that's the government paying for these, government contracts paying for these. Why are we now hearing of firsthand reports of people talking about these kind of units in hospitals uh, across the country? Well, these units have been there, but not as whole floors. They've been there as a um, kind of a positive pressure room when you have a severely infected case or a patient that is a very poor immune system and any exposure to any bacteria or virus could actually kill them. So they call it a, a positive pressure, negative pressure room where you go through a series of pressure changes so that when a door finally opens, nothing from the outside goes into the room to potentially expose that very ill patient to pathogens and the doctors and the people coming in to draw blood and whatever have to wear suits that are not only uh, subject to these same pressure changes, but sometimes they're also chemically treated so that there is no transmission of outside bacteria to that sick patient. So those types of rooms have been around in most major hospitals. Some have a couple of those rooms are they expanding them to whole floors? I think we actually saw more of that when COVID was going on in some of the major teaching hospitals. Has that expanded to more general utilization across the country? I don't know the answer to that, but I think most hospitals across the country have at least one room or there is a room like that available within a hundred mile radius of the population that they serve. Hmm. All right, let me ask you in closing before we go to Patrick Wood and then Todd Binsman. Uh, you're an MD and I know you are a fan of Bella Grace that I've been taking now since December 2nd. Let me explain to you some of my benefits, my personal testimony. You tell mm -hmm. me what you think. Uh, every winter for years and years, my hands would crack and bleed. I'm talking deep cuts, deep bleeding at the seams, the fingers, the thumbs, really bad. I'm um, so bad. I get blood on my tie when I tie it, my dress shirt, my pants, my sheets at night, and it's very painful. 
I've not done anything different this year other than December 2nd, I added Bella Grace. Uh, my wife has noticed that I don't snore nearly as much as I used to. And that's, I didn't know that, of course, but she says, oh yeah, it's nothing like it was since you got on that. So that's interesting. She says, another thing, I don't ask for a Pepsid every day. Haven't really asked for one, she said, since December 2nd. Um, what else? I get up only maybe once a night to go to the bathroom where I was getting up three or four times a night to go to the bathroom. Uh, let's see what else we got. My hair is getting thicker. That up top just went to the barber the other day and noticed that too. Um, mm -hmm. These are just some of my, but here's one. When, after I've taken this, I, within the first few days, would feel a sense of calmness, calmness. So it's kind of a little more calm mm -hmm. and chilled. These are my personal testimonies. Does any of that, what does that tell you as a medical doctor, knowing the things that are in this, this uh, elixir? What do, what do you think? I agree with every single one of them. And I'm going to give you just a couple of observations of how you can categorize that is realize that it's collagen. And as a collagen elixir, collagen is 30% of your body. 30%. That means it's from head to toe. And collagen is in your scalp. It's part of the structure of what your hair follicles are coming from, okay? Uh, it's the support structure underneath those hair follicles. It's part of your cheekbone complex. It's part of the support tissue around your esophagus. And at the base of your esophagus is your stomach. So that sphincter, that, that muscle that helps hold your gastric juices down versus reflux back up into your esophagus is made stronger by the collagen. The collagen is in your hands and it's in the support tissue of the palms of your hands, the base of your hands, your joints, your fingers. So it makes perfect sense that you aren't cracking and bleeding because you're getting better blood supply with better collagen support tissue to your hands. The reason that you're not snoring is you're taking the inflammation down in your sinuses, in your turbinates, and your palate is not necessarily going to have as much drop because you've got less inflammation in the back of your mouth. So decreasing inflammation can also be a reason for decreasing GERD medication, for decreasing diabetic medication, for decreasing high blood pressure medication, which I have seen in many of my patients when I was still in practice. And it would go, this product would go where the patient needed it. So as far as more calmness, the third ingredient in the collagen elixir is actually astaxanthin. As an antioxidant, it is 6,000 times gram for gram more powerful than vitamin C. And it is the cognition ingredient of the year 2022 from the world of nutrition. So that's going to help even people with Alzheimer's. And knowing the increased rate of exploding Alzheimer's in this country, what could be simpler than to do something that's a collagen that's 95% absorbed, an antioxidant 6,000 times more powerful than vitamin C, and the anti-inflammatory action of the organic cat's claw, which is going to help take down any inflammation in any organ system in your body. What medicine doesn't realize is probably 
90% of most chronic illness in any disease, you name it in this country, pick a diagnosis, 90% of it is going to be caused by inflammation. Hmm. Isn't that something? What about my the overall calmness and the sleeping better? The sleeping better and the calmness is that um, astaxanthin, the cognition ingredient of the year of 2022. So if it's helping your brain and it's helping your brain to function, realize your emotionality is also coming from your central nervous system. So it crosses the blood brain barrier. So, so someone says, Oh, I take collagen in my coffee. I pour it in my coffee every morning. Uh, what I say to them is what, how do you know you're absorbing it? How do you know that 95% of it isn't being flushed down the toilet? And, the, and what I understand is the astroxanthin, which crosses the blood brain barrier is what's helping get the astroxanthin actually into your system. 95% absorbance versus the cheap collagen without the astroxanthin, which flushes down the toilet. Correct. Plus, the collagen in the uh, Bella Grace is only four to five peptides long. The collagen in the powdered collagen that you stir in your coffee is 30 to 40 peptides long. Your GI tract doesn't know where to break it up. So it doesn't break it up. It can't absorb it. So it passes it on down the GI tract. So by the time it gets all the way through, you've absorbed, and this is research proven, less than 5%. Wow. So you're wasting your money and not getting the effects you're looking for. Wow. Give us right. your website where folks can read about your books. Uh, my website is uh, Dr. drvictoriajmonlock.com. Can we put that online, guys? Do we have that? Say it one more time, they asked in the control room. D-R-V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A J M O N D L O C H dot com. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with that. Did you guys get that? See how she said they said they couldn't keep up with it either. I'm bound to determine, <laughs> Doctor. Give that to us one more time. DR Victoria V I C T O R I A J M O N D L O C H dot com. Well, I got it, Logan. Look at my computer. I got it right here. And I got dyslexia, but I got it. Dr. <laughs> Victoria it. Monlock, MD. There you go. Dr. <laughs> Victoria J. That's probably what threw us both off. J. Monlock. Dr. Victoria J. So, Dr. Did you get it up there? Look, look there. He's got it on the screen. Why am I trying so hard? He's got Dr. it. DrVictoriaJMonlock.com right there. Find out about her books and everything else. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Victoria, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Dr. Monlock checking in tonight. We still have two more to go. Um, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Dr. Patrick Wood. He doesn't have a doctor, but I'm going to give him one. Uh, Dr. Woods, welcome to the broadcast. <laughs> Thank you for being with us tonight. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to see you. I'm giving nice you an honorary you. doctorate from Brennan House Live tonight. So there you I go. I know this, this This is amazing uh, lineup <laughs> you have this uh, this, e this evening. <laughs> Thank you. I want to go to technocracy.news. We got Todd Binsman coming on with breaking news. Uh, technocracy.news. Goodbye, reality. Uh, simulacrum ushered in by Apple. 
Vision Pro. Okay, I'm so glad you sent me this article today because I don't understand, okay? I know I'm 55 yeah. this April, and some folks say, oh, you're just a child, but it's all relative. <laughs> the guys in the control room in their 20s think I'm old as dirt. But anyway, uh, yes. I'm a, I'm a middle-aged man, all right? I don't understand what I'm seeing here because I'm watching and I'm seeing video on TV of people, a guy went to a basketball game, did you see it? Standing on yeah. the sidelines with one of these headsets on. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> then I saw another article where two guys were looked like they were at a restaurant and they were eating their meal and they had this headset on. I'm like, what is this all about? I don't understand this. Can you help us? Yes. There was uh, a guy in Silicon Valley who was uh, driving his Tesla an automatic mode with uh, VR uh, with a Apple uh, Vision Pro on his head. <laughs> well, what does and that mean? Was, what are they doing? Well, okay, here's here's the deal. Um, this is a new technology that allows you to see through glasses first, a, a pane of glass, to so you can see my your uh, surrounding uh, environment, but it it lets you overlay computer-generated things onto your uh, glasses. So like if I were a so, fighter pilot with a vision, with, a, with with my visor, and my fighter pilot visor had a computer stuff in it, I could see what was going on with the plane with my visor, all, all, all in my visor. Yes, that's uh, that, that would be um, an, an early iteration of that. But this is far, far more advanced than... <laughs> than that was a, a few years ago. Uh, this is actually able to rewire your brain. So what is that guy That's, doing on the subway? He, he's he got one on in the subway apparently. Yes. And what is what, what is he doing with his hands? What's he doing? Everything you see, he's he's looking at, at his virtual screen, his virtual, uh, virtual uh, key, keyboard, virtual mouse, he can see images. He can see screens. So is he moving? Movies. Is he moving things? Is he is he actually working right yes, there? Exactly. So he's working. Exactly, he's actually doing and yeah. working things just like we would on a keyboard, but he's doing it virtually. That's exactly right. Okay, yeah. Logan's saying he can check his email and everything. So Logan, you know what this all is? Well, why? How do you know what it is? You done this? It was released last week. So how do you know what it is? But you haven't done it, right? No, okay, but he knows what it is. It was released last week. I guess that would help the story. This is all brand new as of last week. So I guess that, thank you, Control Room, for filling me in. Apparently, this is why this is all happening now. It just came out. Yes, it's very. It's a very hot thing right now, topic. And uh, it's uh, probably, it, it, this is a, the, the first uh, version of this particular product that uh, at, uh, Apple has released. And you know it's going to get better. It's going to get cheaper as well as time goes on. Just like you had it with a, you know, the iPod, the I, iPhone, and iPad, and all that kind of stuff. It gets better as time goes on. But these people oh. <laughs> who are buying this for 3500 bucks a shot. Really? Are <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a gadget to, to have right now, apparently. Yeah, um, well, at $3,500 a shot, I'm not interested. Well, you, you wouldn't be interested in, you don't want it at any price, believe me. This this is, this is could be the opiate that the masses consume eventually to di get divorced from reality altogether. This is, this is 
absolutely stunning. There was this article that I put posted today really gave the, the downside of um, this whole technology. And what they what they're talking about is having having your own personal reality that you create yourself that you can remove op objects from it and other things you can add to it i, I think i know so I, I i know of people that have their own reality right now i think we call them crazy <laughs> that's right <laughs> that, that's, this is the problem they what psychologists call this is common ground that we all have when we're together, we see things together, we talk about things together, we have experiences together. Common ground is necessary for society and people to uh, get along. They, they, otherwise, they will go crazy and eventually. This common ground is going to be shattered by this technology because your, your, uh, your own experience in this headset is going to be only for you, only for you. You have, in other words, you have a one-off experience. Nobody else is going to share it, all, except for you. Good grief! And let this, me show. Let me show this, guys. This is embedded at technocracy.news is where his article is, and in the article he embedded this. Look at this. Wow. So when he was sitting there watching that movie, he doesn't really need a screen. Is that right? That's right. So That's the, all virtual. there's not a big screen out in his living room. That's all virtual. Nope. That's right. They so can, so can, can you watch it? the movie where it's like 360 yeah. all around you? Exactly. It's a, it's a totally immersive uh, experience. You can have as many uh, different screens as you want uh, in front of you not just a movie, but also your computer screens, your email, your messaging, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can be talking to uh, somebody with your av avatar. Um, this, is, this is exciting on one hand, I'm sure, for a lot of people, but the downside is it's going to push millions of people potentially into a state of psychosis. What, what about a, the violent side of it? If you can sit there and watch a movie on a big screen like that, okay. But what about now all of a sudden them acting out with their video games and, and uh, Call of Duty and all these other shows, these people, video games they play, and then add in all the other kind of demented things. I mean, now yes. all of a sudden, aren't people able basically to live out their worst ideas ever and, well, in, in a way that almost seems real? 
Yes, this has already been the case, I think, with uh, just regular computer screens for for games like that. I don't I don't like them at all personally, uh, but people uh, play them 24, 47 hours a day, you know, it's something crazy. Um, but this uh, this technology will uh, separate somebody from reality if they wear these uh, mm. these goggles too long they're going to be so screwed up with their perception, their depth perception, their ability to um, to see things in perspective. And it's literally, th this is what the, the definition of a psychosis is. Hallucin hallucinations, for instance, um, delusions, for instance, uh, distorted thinking and speaking, for instance. That's the cl clinical definition of psychosis. So what people are risking here is their sanity, literally. And we, you've ha I've talked about uh, AI a lot recently, especially, but this combines AI with this technology to pump your brain full of other things that sh really shouldn't be there in the first place. Wow. All right, folks, you need to get more uh, exclusively at Todd. No, not Todd. Uh, at uh, technocracy.news. Technocracy.news. Todd's my next guest. Technocracy.news is the website. We'll find an article about this and the video we just played. So I guess uh, we're about to see people wearing these everywhere. In closing, is that, get used to this. This is going to be everywhere. They're going to be, there'll be more of it as time goes on for sure. You'll see people do it, doing it in public, especially. Uh, don't don't get near them. Probably you might trip them or something. But <laughs> I, I bet there's going to be restaurants and folks that start setting up rules. You can't wear these in the restaurant. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Technocracy news. Thank you as always. Thanks for being with us, Patrick. You bet. Thanks. Joining me very quickly with breaking news is Todd Binsman of toddbinsman.org. Org, toddbinsman.org and toddbinsman.com actually toddbinsman.com cis.org got those backwards cis.org center for immigration studies cis.org and toddbinsman.com todd welcome back to the broadcast thanks for being with us here we have a brand new article uh out now uh february 12th todd binsman at the daily mail exclusive inside the secret migrant hideout run by Catholic nuns on the Mexican border and a dramatic ringside seat on Biden's utterly cynical under the radar crackdown, so-called. That's his last throw of the dice to cling on to the White House. You know, I actually saw this article tonight before you sent it to me. I didn't read who wrote it. It was you. I was reading your headline, not realizing who wrote it, and then you sent it to me. Tell me about this, please, Todd. Sure. Well, you may recall that uh, about three weeks ago, I reported uh, exclusively, I think even to this day, I don't think anybody's really followed it, that the Biden administration cut a deal with the Obrador, Lopez Obrador administration in Mexico to crack down on illegal immigrants on its side of the border. And I mean a sweeping crackdown, rounding them up by the thousands putting them on planes, trains, and automobiles, buses, and shipping them all south into the southern provinces to keep them from crossing into the U.S. And as a result, the numbers fell from something like, you know, 14,000 a day to, you know, 4,000 a day, 5,000 a day. So um, I decided to go over and have a look for myself 
in Piedras Negras, which is the Mexican city just across from Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, most of you probably are familiar with Eagle Pass, Texas, because the media usually stays on that side and has covered all of these thousands and thousands of people crossing uh, in October, November, December, but it's dead now. There is nobody, you can see from the video right there, it is dead. There's not a single immigrant crossing. And that's because of the Mexican crackdown that Biden arranged uh, with Obrador uh, through diplomacy. Now, the when I was in Piedras, I found a shelter run by the Catholic diocese over there. And I, I went inside and lo and behold, there were two or 300 immigrants in there. And the sister, uh, the, the nun who runs the place told me, we are sheltering them here from all the Mexican military. They're hiding in here. Uh, this is kind of the last sanctuary. That's how rough it is out there. That's how aggressive the Mexican crackdown is across from Eagle Pass, that you have just these last remnant, you know, several hundred immigrants hiding inside the church. Well, Mexican law says that the military and police forces are not allowed to go inside the church uh, or church properties and round people up. They have sanctuary there. So they've been hiding in place for uh, several weeks. Um, now, the reason I even bring this up is because that situation really just underscores the fact that the Biden administration right now has uh, organized for Mexico to do this massive crackdown uh, that often is very ruthless and brutal. Uh, you, we don't do those kind of things in the United States. Uh, and it's a big secret because the administration does not want to own what they're doing down there uh, for uh, Biden's political prospects in the November election. It looks like this is a long-term uh, operation uh, because the Mexicans would far prefer to have a Biden in office again after November than a Trump administration, um, which made Mexico do all kinds of things on its behalf uh, when Trump was in office. So uh, we don't know really all the details about what the Mexicans agreed to or what they were given. Uh, it could be just as simple as we don't want Trump in office at all. We need Biden in office and his poll numbers are terrible on this immigration crisis. 14,000 a day was killing him. Uh, so don't expect to see those kind of numbers uh, while Mexico is doing these operations uh, for the next foreseeable, maybe uh, through November. I'm told that that this operation could go on through November uh, to the election. And I interviewed a lot of the Mexican soldiers over there uh, who told me that their stay is indefinite and that their duty is to hunt down every immigrant they see on the Mexican side and put them on a bus and ship them 1,500 miles to the south. I said, that's their, that's their job. I spent a lot of time with Mexican soldiers over there, uh, the nun. Everybody's noticing that this is a, a major crackdown uh, in Mexico that you won't really see in the U.S. media uh, because they don't want Biden's liberal progressive left to see what he's doing down there because he would then alienate his base. So he's really kind of walking this line of um, trying to protect himself from his own base 
uh, getting mad at him. Uh, and and then also being able to maybe claim, look, we did, we you know, things are good at the border. Don't worry about it down there. Uh, the numbers are less. Let's go to your next article, New York Post. You've been a busy guy. You got one at the Daily Mail and one at the New York Post. You are a very prolific writer and journalist and investigator. Here we go. ISIS plot to assassinate George Bush. That's George W. Reminds us the border crisis uh, security threat is real. We, you discussed this with us more than once, but uh, here's a new article in the New York Post, which of course brings to mind assassination teams coming over the border. I mean, this has already happened. This is not speculation. It's happened. And you and I have talked about the fact that, and I've talked with other historians and experts on communism and Marxism and Islam and revolution and how you destabilize a nation. One way you do that is you carry out political assassinations, correct? Well, this piece, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, this piece just went up today in the New York Post. Um, I, I feel that that story and that prosecution are incredibly important uh, for the American people to know about and to understand and to read about. Uh, that particular case uh, is one of the few right now prosecutions of ISIS operatives in and outside of the United States that plan to smuggle murderers over the border, ISIS murderers over the border for the express purpose of murdering uh, former President George Bush right here in Texas. And plug product. Um, what's that? I'm sorry. They were talking to me in the control room and they didn't have my mic muted. Keep going. Sorry. So to assassinate George W., to assassinate George W. Bush, I feel like this is a very important prosecution at a moment when we have an incredibly out of control border. Even with the Mexicans cracking down, we're having four, five, six thousand a day cross, uh, which is just still historically unprecedented. Mm, yeah. uh, and of course, after the election, uh, the Mexicans will probably free everybody to, to start crossing again, uh, assuming Biden wins, of course. But this particular case involved an Iraqi asylum seeker uh, in Ohio who hated George Bush because he uh, ordered the Iraqi invasion in 2003 uh, that sent him and a lot of other Iraqis to war against American soldiers. And he fought against American soldiers uh, and was affected by the war and came here apparently for the express purpose of, of exacting revenge uh, on either uh, the United States or the president. Well, can you and imagine, and I'm certainly not going to go about naming names, but I know people that were involved in the military and other things overseas. Uh, and everybody, and anyone, you know, sometimes these people talk about this and they write their books and give speeches. This is of grave concern to me because if this guy was upset he went for a pretty high target. There's really not a chance of him getting near. But what about the targets that would be a lot more accessible? So this brings up a whole story, another option here, our concern here, which is Islamist people pouring over the border who start, start target, targeting former military people, former special forces people, people that have written books in America and widely talked about what they did over there. You know, I always thought about that. There, <laughs> There is a danger when you start talking openly about what you did and where you did it 
Because now with a porous border, some of these people can say, well, we're going to go after this person and this person. Pretty soon, you could have this going on over the course of a 48-hour period that creates quite a problem throughout the U.S. and a massive sense of, of uh, insecurity, as it would if you start having targeted military, former military, intelligence, political assassinations. Actually, I, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, believe it or not, I didn't. Uh, that You're right. There are... A lot of former soldiers and veterans who are out publicly talking about what they did over there, uh, maybe they should be a little more judicious or at least pack, um, you know. But you're right. Um, this in this particular case, it seems like he was they they were pretty bound and determined to attack the former president. They actually came, uh, traveled from Ohio to the Dallas area and conducted surveillance of the president of the Bush library, of his home area, and of his security, took photos and video, et cetera. Thank God the FBI uh, just happened to stumble across this case while it was while he was tr uh, plotting and trying to recruit co-conspirators to it. And they were like, okay, you know, we'll be your co-conspirators, right? And it was, but it was a real plot. And the ISIS operatives who were in Iraq and Qatar and uh, and and Syria were real, uh, so it it was half real and half fake. And his plan was to get them to just like all of the Iraqis and Syrians coming across the border right now, um, fly into Brazil or one of the South American countries. In this case, it would have been Brazil. Forty thousand dollars smuggling fee, and he would have been brought in up through the the Darien Gap and through Central America on up to Mexico and then the border. And in this case, these guys were going to uh, become gotaways. They were not going to give themselves up like most of them do uh, for processing. They were going to put on border patrol uniforms shortly after they crossed and then sneak away into the interior unnoticed. Uh, that was kind of the, the idea there. Uh, and then get Colt uh m16 rifles and uh p22 um pistols and go kill the former president or at least attempt it now that's not to say that they wouldn't have tried to attack other targets if that one proved to be too hard uh but the point is is that they were bringing bringing the bad guys know that the border is out, absolutely out of control and if you find my new york post piece on this, it's up right now under my name, New York Post. You'll see a long litany of recent failures with counterterrorism at the border uh, that really, you know, are cause for alarm. That our border is so out of control down there that uh, we're making mistakes left and right with jihadists, with counterterrorism programs. Things are just really falling apart under the volume and weight of what's going on down there. Wow. Toddbinsman.com, as always, you bring us uh, information we need to know about. And I'm glad it's getting out there in the Daily Mail. I'm glad it's getting out there in the New York Post. People are thinking about things they weren't thinking about two years ago when we started talking to you, were they? Nope, they weren't. But, but now they are, <laughs> thanks to you getting your articles mainstream. So congratulations on that. And thank you for doing that. That's right. And, you know, and then getting them magnified on shows like yours, for example. So I appreciate that. That's how it works. Yeah, That's indeed. how it's supposed indeed. to work. Indeed. Well, we're all but, trying to. Know, 
I point out in the New York Post piece that, you know, the prosecutors, the reason I wrote this, a new, a new piece is because the prosecution in Ohio just filed a new uh, sentencing memorandum, and they're calling for a maximum penalty on this guy for prison. The, the sentencing phase is here. Uh, and in their memorandum, they say that they want a maximum sentence on this guy to message to the rest of the world uh, that it, it's going to it's going to you're going to pay deeply if you try to cross our border. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting to point out uh, that the prosecutors in Ohio seem to recognize this as a unique case. Uh, but what I what I also say in there is that the that they're swimming up against the against the current, and and the current is that most media will never report anything about this case, the sentencing process, or anything about it. They'll just completely ignore this case. And so, how are you going to message to the world that you had a 15 year prison sentence on this guy for what he did? if nobody will cover it. Wow. Well, that's why we're here. We're glad you're writing these articles and letting us know about it so we can let everybody know about it. And of course, as always, you're welcome here. And we're going to introduce you to a whole new audience with Patriot.TV. Uh, Patriot.TV with General Flynn and the team that we're building. And we're about to go and grow. And uh, people are pretty excited. And uh, it's going to be a ride. We're going to take you along with us. Congratulations on that. Thank Sounds you. exciting. Yeah, like I said, you're going to be along with us, so thank you for that. Okay, I'm happy to do it. Todd Binsman checking in, toddbinsman.com and cis.org. Remember, he's got the book, the book about the border, Overrun. He's got another one before that on border wars. You ought to check it out, toddbinsman.com, toddbinsman.com, and then where he works full-time, cis.org. All right, check out this before we go. And look at that, it's 9.05, I'm still on the air. You know why? Because there's no one behind me right now. I guess we do need to go for uh, for Worldview Tube because we're cutting into Dr. Andy Wood's spot right now. But on Patriot.tv, there's no one behind us. I could stay another hour if I wanted. I remember when I started this broadcast, there was no one behind me and I could just go as long as I wanted. But uh, anyway, we're going to go a little bit longer here as we conclude right now, though. Remember, we're brought to you by you. Here's great ways you can help support us. Go to melissahousebg.com. Click the order button. Get your subscription going. I take the Bell of Grace twice a day, folks. You've heard about the benefits. I don't need to tell you. It does have a lot of clinical trials behind it. I hope you'll check that out and, and go ahead and get your subscription going now. I think it's a great way to support your health and support what we're doing at the same time. Everybody wins. MelissaHouseBG.com. I will throw out that disclaimer. This product has not been approved or evaluated by the FDA. It's not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, then we'll go over to, yeah, did you know I did that first FedEx commercial form back in the 70s, early 80s? Uh, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but others, you're old enough like me to remember. Let's go to this one here. This is superfoodshouse.com, superfoodshouse, spell it H-O-W-S-E. Guys, you want to put that there? There you go. Superfoodshouse.com. This is a brand new sponsor, and a lot of you are responding. What you do, folks, is you order it, and you can do the 30-day program like Miss Melissa is doing right now, but you don't have to. You can just order up the individual uh, pouches that you want. Here we go. Sustainably farmed, organic, and non-GMO superfoods are the perfect addition to any lifestyle. Save time and save money on your way to feeling better. Just add water. Plant-based proteins, high antioxidant fruits, organic greens and vegetables plus get health health or plus health 
plus gut health, excuse me, are the missing link to living a healthy, balanced life. So again, what happens is they grow the vegetables on an organic farm, no pesticides, no glyphosate. They harvest it, then they put it through a dehydration process, and they turn it into this powder. So they juice it, really, that's what they explain. They juice it and turn it into a powder and then put it in the, into the bags and ship it to you and you just add water. So I can juice without the expense and time of juicing. That's the benefit here. And again, not sprayed, organic. You can do the dark berry protein pouch, the super meal, the MVP sport. Uh, there you go. There's some right there. You can do the bio fruit. You can do the beets. You can do the... Uh, uh, carrot juice plus. I have some of that on the way, by the way. Uh, you can try it all out. Okay. It's all there. It's a very lengthy page. As you can see, I just keep scrolling and scrolling and it keeps going and going because there's a lot of information here. You can do your due diligence on it and get started with whatever you want, the 30-day or just order the pouches that seem of interest to you. Superfoodshouse.com, superfoodshouse, H-O-W-S-E, superfoodshouse.com. Dot com. Check it out. Great way, I think, to support your health and what we're doing. And then finally, go over, if you would, please, to WVWFoundation.com. WVW Foundation, our foundation, is one of our biggest sponsors that helps us push out programming for free versus putting it all behind a paywall where you have to pay to see it or pay to re-see it. When this program goes off the air, guess what? Annie will take it and cut it into segments and pop it up online for you to share with anyone. Where is there? There is right here, worldviewtube.com, worldviewtube.com. There it is, and there we are, streaming live as we are each and every night. 7 p.m. Central, Worldview Tube is the Worldview Report. 7.30 Central is Brandon House Live, and then it's all cut up and archived right there. Here's my Sunday morning show. Actually, that's Colonel. That's General General Flynn's morning show right there. Mine is up here as well, right here next to it. See, everything we do is always posted and is there for free. And yet, how do we do this? Our sponsor, WVWFoundation.com, helps us pay for the bandwidth. So please help us out, WVWFoundation.com. And we're going to be adding a comment section real soon to the player. So. Good night from WVWFoundation.com. Good night from WorldViewTube.com and Patriot.tv. I'm Brandon House. Till next time, may God save America. Take care.